What's up, you sexy lunch bags? My name's Chad Michael Linus. Lunch bags could be sexy? Lunch bags? Are you kidding me? I had a White Ranger Power Ranger lunchbox when I was little. That's a sexy bag. Tommy, he was the sexiest of the Power Rangers. Everyone knows it. He had the long oh. hair. People were like, I want to be him. You're listening to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast. I'm Chad Michael Linus. We've got Holden DePardo. Say hey. Hi. And you guys are you, the listeners, and we're just three lifelong friends gathering around here to talk about video games. Yo, we got a doozy today. We got a doozy. Nintendo dropped an atom bomb. A-D-A-M. Adam uh, Kovic. Is that a person's name? Adam Kovic? Sounds like a, a person. I don't know. Is that the guy who does like blank ruin the internet or ruins everything? Adam ruins everything? Oh, let's yeah, Google it. kind of obnoxious, actually. Adam Kovic. Adam Kovic wife, tattoo, and net worth come up. Um, Chicago wedding photography. Oh, he's from Rooster Teeth. <laughs> Rooster Teeth? Is that yeah. it? He's cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Great. Uh, well, we've got a him-sized bomb full of Nintendo Switch Lite <laughs> stuff <laughs> coming up Does today. not sound like a very powerful bomb. It's like, yeah, it's an Adam-sized one. Who's Adam? I don't remember who Adam is. Oh, yeah, it's that guy. Well, it's his size bomb. It's like that. Uh, the episode of <laughs> Parks and Rec where the Sweetums factory is like going over their new fast food place and they have the different size cups. And it's like, this is a small, a medium, a large, an extra large, and then child size. And it's in a tub. I'm like, what about that says child size? It's like, oh, that's the amount of liquid you would have if you put a toddler in a blender. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, it's child size. Anyway, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, including uh, why we think that this is a game changer. Uh, the Switch Lite and how it's going to keep Nintendo relevant. But first, we are starting today's discussion with our third-party quest log, talking about video game movie adaptations. Well, well, movie and and television. Yeah. Starting with Space Invaders, apparently <laughs> on New Line Cinema's launch pad. The Mortal one Kombat's I've Greg been waiting Russo. for. Oh, right? Gross. <laughs> Mortal Kombat's Greg Russo to script Alien Invasion pick. This is from Mike Fleming Jr. at Deadline. Apparently, New Line Studios has hired Greg Russo to write a screenplay for Space Invaders movies. Uh, he's written a few others, including the Mortal Kombat reboot, the Resident Evil reboot that is still to come, and a Saints Row movie, which I didn't know was in development. Neither um, did I. According to IMDb, these are his only projects. Interesting. Yeah, Saints Row and Resident Evil aren't on his IMDb.com page, but they're they're for real as well. Um, I, I that's a lot of projects to give one person who has no credits really on well, IMDb.com. I, what I wonder what other kind of stuff he's written so, before. Maybe he writes video so games and yeah. So I've I went back and to find out if he's on anything. Yeah, and what I what I'm assuming and he's I he's not no a Russo this, brother. Despite he's the not a Russo name. brother. He's the third estranged Russo brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that's case or not, but I do think he's been involved in the industry probably as a script doctor, which is essentially someone who like, the studio hires saying, hey, we have the script. It's garbage. We need someone to kind of fix it up and fluff up some parts here, and they'll hire someone like that to do it. The reason I think that is I went to first try to find him on something called The Blacklist. The Blacklist is a website where screenwriters can post screenplays that were not bought, so it can kind of get some attention by someone running across it on there. Um, you oh. have to be a, you have to be in the Writers Guild of America in order to be on that site. Are um, you? Which he would qualify? No, I. That's why I couldn't go on the site and to see what was there. Um, I just found that out while doing the research. But what I did find is that he's been a part of these like screenwriting roundtables going back all the way to 2011. 
So he's been involved in the industry to a capacity for a very long time at this point. Um, I mean, eight years, but for that industry, that's a really long time. <laughs> so I think that he's probably done some script doctoring in the past, but we don't have anything he's officially written before. So, so he I'm like sure goes he knows what he's up doing. Other people's scripts. So he's yeah. going from a maid in a rich person's house to owning his own maid service. Basically, he's now like, going to be yeah. sending other people out. Exactly. Yeah, that's the exact analogy. <laughs> it's the exact analogy. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope that any of these movies are going to be that good. Just for starters, no, Space Invaders just doesn't sound like it's going to be great. You know what? If they went can, a route, if they went a route like Galaxy Quest with Tim Allen, yeah, Galaxy Quest, great like callback, that. awesome movie. Never give up, never surrender. If they make it just <laughs> very loosely tied to the actual IP, Space Invaders, and just had a ball with it, I'd be down to see that. I just feel like they could make any alien invasion movie and then say, it's Space Invaders. Yeah. They could do anything. Not so much Resident Evil and Mortal Kombat, but... Yeah. Or what if it's yeah. like a sequel to Interstellar? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Christopher Nolan's going to make the Space Invaders movie. <laughs> the next adaptation, though, I think sounds more interesting. It makes much more sense. Mm, Cuphead is getting an animated Netflix series, says Mike Fahia Kotaku. We will be called, quote, The Cuphead Show. The Cuphead creators Chad and Jared Moldenhauer, which I just recently put together, Moldenhauer, Studio MDHR. I put that together when I read that, too. I'm like, oh, that's why it's that. Yep. Promises it won't be a little kid's cartoon, and it will have the same kind of vibe that the game hints at. This, um, there are a couple of things about this. One, they are obviously not doing the animation for it. Netflix is. But Netflix mm. is still going after that same type of style. Now, Cuphead the game, every single frame was drawn by hand versus Cuphead the animated series. Um, They're going to try to do it all digitally. They're still not going to rig like um, puppets like you would in an animation program for a lot of things nowadays and then just move those puppets with code. They're just going to instead draw everything digitally on a computer. Um, I The one like image that they released as the advertisement for the series... I didn't like the way that they're drawn. Their eyes are very different, and it just looks like a... I don't know. I have to wait and see whether that's just like, this is the key art, and then the show itself actually looks like the game. If they can change Sonic's eyes, they can change those eyes. So, yeah, but granted, Sonic's, we have not seen how Sonic's going to get fixed yet. The whole world erupted when Sonic's eyes were shown. But it doesn't... <laughs> it seems like I'm the only one who's like, ooh, I don't like the way that they went with that. I mean... When I can't remember, I heard this somewhere. When you're adapt, you're adapting something. You have to like stay true to the original, but you also got to keep in mind that you are making something for a different medium. And sometimes that means you make different. You have to make some sacrifices. I know, but it looks stupid. <laughs> it's dumb, 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 dumb. But I'm very, very interested to see what it goes. Uh, what it I'm, becomes. I'm more hopeful for this than I am for any of the other movies you just talked about. Yes. Uh, side note: I was listening to Easy Allies this week. And I forget who on it was mentioning this, but apparently they did a poll of like their nephew or something like that. And apparently kids in elementary school don't play Fortnite anymore, but instead they're really into Cuphead. Oh, really? And that's what the kids are playing, at least in his nephew's elementary school. So that's completely purely anecdotal, but this might be a way to kind of capture that audience. Well, here's another counter anecdote to that. My brothers, uh, my dad were in town to visit me this week. And they're 13 and 7. Grace and the 13-year-old. Your dad is 13? Um, <laughs> <laughs> my dad is 13. 
And I showed them Cuphead, and boy, they didn't like it at all. No, <laughs> they really, they didn't like it at all. They didn't like the gameplay. They didn't like the style. They didn't like what? Actually, my brother thought it was too easy. He beat like most of the bosses on the first or second try. Your brother's an asshole. He's a total dick. <laughs> <laughs> I expressed my disappointment to him. I'm like, you're making me look bad. I well, struggled you, with that boss. You forever. haven't even attempted more than two bosses in that game, right? No, I'm at the I. On the second to last boss of the first area. Okay, so four bosses. No, like five, maybe, probably four. Yeah, yeah. probably four. Yeah, and the and the running gun levels. Yeah. I did those two. Meow, meow, meow. I'm a whale. We're gonna move on to supermassive games, <laughs> Dark Pictures Anthology, which is kind of movie related because it's like you're playing a movie. Uh, headline number one about Supermassive Games. Uh, their Dark Pictures anthology is planned to be eight games long. This is from David Gill at Dual Shockers, and they also plan to have a cadence of once every two years. Uh, sorry, two every two. year. So once yeah. every six months, uh, which I am 100% down for, especially if the rumors that the games are about four hours long are true, mm-hmm. because I think that's perfect to be able to absorb something like that, maybe even replay it yep. a couple of times a year. Over the course of the eight games, the curator, which is going to be the only character thread that links them all, uh, will be the thread that links them all. Thank you. Uh, repeating that in the same sentence for me. That's what I said. <laughs> Pete Samuel, CEO at Supermassive Games, says, quote, We have an arc in mind that plays over eight games. We have them mapped out for the first eight, and each of the eight different games will have a separate team, including different directors, actors, writers, and development teams, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So I first heard eight games, and I'm like, ooh, big commitment. Really, really big commitment. But if you kind of think about it as they're making, like, a season of Black Mirror or a season of, like, Twilight Zone, it's kind of what this kind of sounds like. Little anthology episodes to make up a little, like, season, almost. Yeah. The I'm first kind of, of which... That. Is Man of Medan. Is Man Medan. of... Medan. Medan. Yeah, we, we've... It's we like Milan. Like the Will Ferrell SNL. How fast can you have your bags packed for Milan? And he closes his very tiny cell phone, and he has the bowl cut and the glasses. I don't remember that it's one. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, Man of Madon <laughs> revealed to contain two multiplayer modes coming from Logan Moore at Dual Shockers. Um, this is interesting, and I'm, I had to go back and listen to these a couple times to really understand what they were when I was hearing people talk about them. Yeah. And then I'm trying to make our decision on how we play it. So, one, there is a shared, in addition to the regular single player experience, there is a shared story mode where two players online play co-op and each player makes their own decisions for their own playable character and your stories interweave and so i might make a choice in my game that causes something to happen in yours and then you don't understand the background behind that choice but then suddenly something happens in your game you're like oh my god and vice versa yeah they show a quick example of like your character falls down um but then like my character falls down but then your character made a different decision that led them to not be there to pick me up, so I fall and die. Yeah. And then there's also the opportunity for conversations. Like, you make a dialogue choice, and then I have to choose a choice to respond to that. So you have to wait for me to finish Mm -hmm. making my response and back and forth. So that can be super interesting. Um I think if we played that way, I would we need to play it both times. Because I I gotta flip flop and see what you did and make sure I did it better. And because it's four hours, I think this works. If it were an eight-hour experience like Until Dawn was, I think it'd be too much. But I think yeah. four hours is, is, a, is a great sweet spot. Until Dawn was an eight hours if you killed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we just killed everybody at the very end. We made it all the way through. 
Tom, Jesse, and I were playing together, and we were just handing the controller back and forth. We got to the very last level, and Jesse was the one playing the last level, who doesn't play video games, doesn't under, doesn't know by heart where the buttons are on the controller. Oh, and everyone died? And she was like, we were about to have everyone safe. And then she ran somewhere. I think I told her to go, like, turn on a light switch or something like that in the house on her way out. And she did. And then everybody died. But, but Hayden Bennett's here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one mode. Then we also have movie night mode, where there's local play for two to five players. And basically, each person gets assigned a character. And you will hand off the controller as the game switches between the different characters' perspectives. So I'll be responsible for one person, Sean Ashmore, obviously, because I need the big name because I have a big ego to match. <laughs> and then you'll have the other people. <laughs> um, I really – we've been talking about how do we make this a community game night game mm-hmm. for a, a while now. I want to figure out how we do these with I the wish community. movie night mode also worked online. Like you have a party going – yeah. And everyone in the party can hand off. Like your controller will vibrate to say you're in control now or something like that. The thing because that I've been thinking, it's a little clunky, but we might be able to do it is share play on PS4 where you can virtually okay. hand the controller off. But I don't know if you can do that with a group of people or whether it's just two people. I don't know. Hmm. We'll find out. We'll we'll experiment a little bit before that comes out, yeah. which is next month. It's coming out next month. Yeah, August 30th is when it comes out. And that's on PS4, August but also 30th. Xbox One and PC. I d- actually didn't realize it was coming out for the consoles. Yes, that's actually a big thing because um, Until Dawn was console exclusive. It was actually just exclusive, exclusive on PS4. Yeah. Multiplat. Speaking of not exclusive, a game also coming to all those systems. Not exclusive. Marvel's Avengers SDCC, which is South San Diego Comic Con, gameplay reveal seemingly won't be made public. Uh, so this is the... Uh, description for the Avengers panel. Join Sean Eskaya, creative director at Trisel Dynamics, and the performance of a cast of Marvel's Avengers for a special presentation that will include new information and the first uh, public gameplay reveal for eight uh, Hall H attendees only. So basically, if you're not there, you won't see it. I feel like that's I think pretty this common is a huge mistake. Comic Con. I think that it doesn't look great when people were really confused about what the game was based on E3, and the first time, the big complaint being, we needed to see gameplay, and then, cool, we're going to show yeah. gameplay, except, like, not going to, not for everybody, only if you're there. They got to release this footage right after the event. It's basically a behind-closed-door <clears throat> thing from E3, mm-hmm. but for an audience of fans instead of necessarily critics and news outlets. Um, I don't think we'll... If history has anything to say about how these panels and things like that are conducted, I don't think we'll ever see this footage not recorded on a cell phone from the back of the auditorium. Oh, but yeah. I do think That's... we will see something within a few weeks of this happening, even if it's not the same exact footage. They really don't want to have the first real gameplay shown off through cell phone footage. That's the way these That's... panels always work, though. I mean, I know, but forget about Comic-Con for a second. That's the, that's the, the way event. it's going to happen. I, I know, but yeah. for, I, I, oh, I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, this, they've already said they're not showing it to the public only for Hall H attendees. Everyone's going to have their phone. They're not going to not record it. I agree with you. But forget about Comic-Con and, and the traditions of Comic-Con. This is the opposite of what that game needs right now. Yeah. This game needs to have, hey, we're releasing it. We're going to live stream the gameplays. We're going to watch it together. They need to be very open about it and very transparent. 
uh, I'm just uh, I have concerns about this game, and this this made me more concerned. I wonder if this will legitimately be the same behind closed doors demo that they showed off at E3. Possibly, yeah. I bet that's it other, is. That's the other thing too. Um, it probably is, yeah, because it takes time to make those demos. Um, th- let's compare this to like Cyberpunk, right? Cyberpunk didn't have I mean, obviously two different standards of games, two different types of games, but just in terms of last year, the the footage for Cyberpunk was behind closed doors at E3, and they didn't reveal it to the public, and that bothered me because I wanted to see what that game was like. But the kind of press coming out of it was that was the best demo I've ever seen. That's not what happened at E3 with the Avengers. People were still kind of confused. <laughs> they didn't really leave with very strong impressions. I mean, I think it speaks for itself. Like, they need to show it so people can make the judgment for themselves. Otherwise, the only press that's going around is, yikes. Yeah. They need to show it, but also don't show it if it's bad. Wait, uh. Make it good. If if you're gonna if you're gonna if you got feedback from E3 that's like hey some of this stuff doesn't work or some of this stuff looks bad, there's no way that they could have turned that around in time for this. So if it's not also made they can't turn around in time for the game, the game's release in next May. If it's yeah they can absolutely they can if they can change mm-hmm. Sonic's eyes before Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think those are comparable. I think yeah, absolutely I don't know comparable. These guys have eyes. So do the hills. The hills have eyes. Speaking of hills, did you make any in Super Mario Maker 2? Because we're transitioning to playtime. You make any hills? Any slopes? I did make some slopes. I actually made... uh, I've made one level. And then I'm working on my second one right now. What's the code? Read it out to people. Put it in the show notes. I don't have my Switch with me right now. Oh, I'm not sharing that one. It's not that great. (laughs) (laughs) I'll show the next one. Because I think the next one's actually, I think, pretty good. So the content creation itself is a ton of fun. Okay, it's an absolute blast. Because this is coming from someone who doesn't create content. Exactly. Yeah, I don't usually like like those kind of create your own um, your content kind of games. But I think the reason this works so well is just that it's really easy to go back and forth between making something and then playing it and testing it immediately. That's important. It's very important. But it's also just really fast to lay something out, try it out, see how it works. Okay, that jump was too far. Um, so let me just move this a little bit closer right now. Actually, uh, I want you to run and jump here, so I'll move it back to where it was originally. And you can just really tweak as you go along. It works really, really well. Um, I do have a big complaint about this game, though. And I love the game. Like it, it would be in my favorite game of the year so far had it not been for this small little detail. It seems like you can only do co-op play with fan-made levels that you've downloaded. You can't do do co-op with a story mode. Okay. Which the reason that bothers me a lot is those are the better levels. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the levels I would rather play with with someone else. I don't mean this is defense to anyone. A lot of people haven't made games before, and myself included, but they're just levels that are so chaotic, and it makes it really annoying when you're playing with someone else. When you have two people bouncing on top of each other while you're trying to figure out all the stuff in a family level, that's just too much going on. That seems as to be a theme I've noticed. Is just there's just too much going on in so many of the family levels. That'll get worked out, I'm sure, as people kind of figure out the mechanics and try to streamline things a little bit more. But yeah. as a creator, do you get the option to say whether or not it's a single or co-op player level? So you can you can tag a level as as multiplayer. Like this is going to be a good multiplayer level. 
because there's some levels that just really don't work multiplayer at all. Like there's one my brother and I found where you're in the like Koopa cart, but only one person can be in the Koopa cart at a time. And in this level, there was only one Koopa cart. By Koopa so cart, do you mean the big clown thing that flies? No, it's a little like it looks like it could be a Mario Kart. Like it's a cart. Oh, okay. Yeah, and once that thing's going, you 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 fell behind and you just start dying because you're off the screen because that cart's going faster than you can you can or this yeah. particular level as well it was it's called an auto mario level which is basically you just let go of the controller and it just runs on its own and it's actually kind of cool to see it play out but you can't do that with multiple people so like it you really want to look for those multiplayer tags but you can search for levels based on those tags so if you wanted to find something a little bit more suited for multiplayer you can do so pretty easily but then you have to once you've searched for it then you can play it but only play it single player streaming it down or you can download it, and then you can play it with your friends. But I'm not going to download it if I haven't played it yet, because, I don't know, I just don't want to go do the back and forth of going to the core spot where I can view those levels and the course world where I find the levels. So it just, it just that could have been streamlined a little bit. You lost me a little oh. bit on that, but I think it's okay. So when you hit the plus button, you have a menu. There's your story mode, the course maker, and then there's course bot where you view levels you have made. And levels you downloaded from other people, and then you have the, do you have to download it, a level to play it, or can you stream a level somehow? You, you can stream a level, but you can't do that in co-op. At least not from what I've found. Okay, maybe I'm missing something, but it just means that if you want to browse to find something to play with your friends, you got to like browse, find them, either download a few or download one, then go to the other menu to play the level and then go back to the other menu to find levels again. So it's kind of going back and forth where I feel like you, you shouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, but I still like the story mode is really clever. It's super smart. I really, really like just making the castle from the ground up by finding coins in the story mode levels. And I, the story mode levels, again, like I said this last week, are all of them are centered around specific Sirens objects. on our end. I can't even hear them. Okay, good. Sorry. Yeah, you're just you're going crazy. You're, you're schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so each level in story mode centers around a specific obstacle that they're basically trying to teach you the nuances of. Right. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. As I've been creating levels, I've been trying to treat it like that, where I kind of take one mechanic, I give you a simple version of of getting around that obstacle, and then do the same thing with increasing difficulty until you get to the end. That's kind of been my goal and how I approach making a level. Um, but I feel like what I found a lot of on the online levels is some sort of puzzle solving where they kind of hide things on you and it kind of becomes a little annoying to like figure out where you're going. But then you will come across a level that's like, holy crap, this could be in a Mario game. And I've been saving those and downloading those ones. And I'll actually probably share a few of those ones um, in a show note or something because I want to I want to highlight some I think the better levels that are out there because there's a ton of them. There's already two million. There are already two million. Two million, levels. but I thought each user could only upload thirty-two. I mean, if there's two million divided by thirty-two, then you know how many players are playing the game. Well, not everyone's going to making content. Hey Siri, what's two million divided by thirty-two? <laughs> two million divided by thirty-two is sixty-two thousand five hundred. Hey, that's really poor numbers. <laughs> 62,000 people are... Bu- I'm just kidding. Obviously, people are playing without making levels, and obviously, people are not filling up their full 32. No, not yet. It actually takes a little bit of time to really make a level. No, it doesn't. 
It kind of if you really want to take it seriously, and a little stylus, I'll go draw a line, boom, publish, level done. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't seen anything like that yet. I don't know. Maybe it's out there, yeah. but it's just being buried because of good algorithms. Yeah, but I really do like it a lot. I think it's a really, really good game. I just have an issue with that kind of co-op mechanic, and then that tying into online and how they add online. I'm assuming it's going to be the same co-op options that you have normally just online instead in which case i still can't play with people in story mode online the biggest problem to hit a switch online is not the program itself it's the games not being designed to be played online to begin with and it's so frustrating but i have more thoughts on that when we talk about nintendo switch Lite. duper super so let's move on to you, Chad. Moving you played on some other me. games that had the number two in it. Oh, I did. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze 2. Remaster <laughs> of the first. <laughs> um, yes, I played Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I picked it back up after I saw the, um, the renders of the Nintendo World and Donkey Kong Country at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. And I saw Donkey Kong and I was like, you know what? I never finished that. I got to like the end of World Five out of six, and I never finished it. So I'm going I'm World Five right it. now. It is so fucking hard. I yeah, forgot really how hard, hard that game was. So well, all the levels are super long as well. That's yeah. That, that's what adds to it. Long levels. Uh, speaking of, they all introduce some kind of mechanic, and then it's in a simple form. And then by the end of it, you've mastered that mechanic in order to beat the level, and then you never see it again, which I think is really cool too. I, my parents pretty much exclusively played this game on their Switch. And they have beaten the entire game. And they've gone back in every single level and gotten all four Kong letters and beat the That's level. That's really hard. Holy crap. Because when you do that, you unlock a secret harder seventh world. And they're working their <laughs> way through that too. And I, my parents are not great at this game. Despite it being the only game that they play, and they've been playing Donkey Kong Country over and over for 20 years, um, they're not great. And if I'm sitting here taking sometimes 20 to 30 attempts on any one given section of a level, I can't imagine how long it takes them to beat a level. It's insane. This game is so hard. But I love it. love it. Uh, I'm definitely going to finish that this week because I think I only have like four levels left and then I don't know if I'm going to have the time or patience to go back and get all the Kong letters and unlock the secret world. But I also played Titanfall 2. Holden, I had so much goddamn fun right? with this game. We had our game night. We had five of us playing. It was you and me, Alex Kozina, uh, Dallas, and Matt. We were all five playing on Tuesday. Um, it was a super fun time. There's room for six people on this team, so for the rest of you guys who are patrons on patreon.com slash fire, come and join us this Tuesday. Holden won't be there, so actually we have two more spots this week. Mm-hmm. Um, play with us. It's a good ass time. Ass time. Yeah, I'm really surprised at how much I'm liking the game, too. Yeah. It's... I'm not usually a multiplayer shooter kind of guy, mm-hmm. but I'm digging it. I haven't even touched a single player yet. So, Yeah, same here. Gotta do same that, because that's our barf game said. of the month. And then I also, yesterday, two days, yesterday, I don't know, time is a flat circle. Yesterday. Saturday, yeah. Yesterday. Saturday. Um, 
I put out on our Patreon, hey, I'm doing Borderlands 2 DLC because I'm so close to that platinum, baby. So close. I now have <laughs> all of the character-related ones. Basically, all I have to do is beat Terramorphous, which is like the super hard and post-endgame boss. It's level 50. Um, and I have to find this one fucking dude in Sanctuary who only randomly spawns every once in a while named Michael. Michael apparently was a kid who had cancer who loves Borderlands, and they put him in the game to give you a magic weapon every single every so often. But I can't fucking find him after 60,000 times I've respawned in Sanctuary. Anyway, those are pretty much the only trophies I've left. But we are going through the DLC, and Alex Cozina, winner of last week's KFAF challenge on Kind of Funny, which is fun because he made a really cool game. You should go check it out. Um, we played through all of Tiny Tina's Dungeons & Dragons-inspired DLC. It was about, I don't know, maybe four hours worth, and we played it pretty much in one sitting. I am floored by the quality of this DLC. All the DLC for Borderlands. It, it all adds, first of all, all the enemies are all completely new. So there's skeletons, and there are giant dragons, and there are... Um, we were fighting knights and any dark turn knights, invisible? Knights and stuff like that. There were seer skeletons that were mages that would turn invisible and shoot lightning magic at you. But nope. um, for yeah, so that's amazing. They added new gameplay mechanics, but this one in particular, because I, I played a little bit of the big game one from Hammerlock and then Tiny Tina. This game had me giggling from start to finish. The whole setup is Tiny Tina. And the original three Vault Hunters, Brick, Mordecai, and Lilith, were all playing a game of Dungeons and & Dragons. And you guys are the characters they're playing as. And so, the entire game, Tiny Tina's narrating, because she's the Dungeon Master. She's narrating throughout the whole thing, and people are, are talking and stuff like that. And you'll get to, like... Uh, ten minutes into it, and it's like, all right, and now there's a giant badass dragon that appears to eat you, and it's like level seventy, and it's impossible to beat him. And then Lilith's like, Tiny Tina, you can't do that. You can't put an impossible boss. She's like, okay, okay, okay. It's a smaller dragon, and then the dragon disappears, and a smaller <laughs> one pops up. And then, like, think, you get to a character in there. And it's like, all right, now you have to get to the dwarves and have them help you through this mission. To help beat blah, blah, blah. And we get to the dwarves. And Tanya Tina says, Brick, what do you say to them? And Brick goes, I punch him in the face. <laughs> and she's like, oh, but if we talk to them, then no, I punch him. Like, all right. And your mission objective then becomes punch the dwarves in the face. <laughs> it's just her narrating the entire thing. I was laughing from start to finish. And all sorts of things like, I can't get through this part right here. And then she's like, uh, how about I make this magical thing appear? And just stuff in the game world is changing all the time. And people are being swapped out because she's the DM and she's making hilarious decisions. That does sound pretty unique, actually. It is. And then I also started playing uh, Torg's DLC, which is kind of a battle arena type thing where you are increasingly trying to become the best vault hunter and you just go into this big pit full of a bunch of enemies who are all fighting each other and you have to come out on top and you have to do that several times and beat champions and stuff like that. And that's really cool too. But what I like is that it kind of gives you more of a background. So you see Torg as like a weapon maker in Borderlands 2 all the time. And I didn't put the, together the two that like all Torg weapons deal explosive damage. Like that's their thing. Malawan deal elemental effect damage. Um... The TDR ones are always that you reload and they throw them, stuff like that. But all the Torg ones are explosive damage. And then when you finally meet Torg, and he's screaming everything. And you know me, there are three hilarious things in the world. Poop slash farts, watching people fall, and screaming. 
Those are the three funniest things in the world. And there's a character who is nonstop screaming about badass and guns and explosions. And you're like, oh, it makes so much sense that all of your guns do explosive damage. It's like building out the world a little bit. It's super cool. <laughs> so Borderlands 2, also Ulta, Alto, Balto, Ultron. If you are trying to go for the platinum like Alex and I are, it makes it super easy because the new free DLC that's no longer free if you haven't gotten it, you've got to pay 15 bucks for it now, um, allows you to get a Vault Hunter at level 30 and spawn them automatically at the end of the game, basically. So the like character-based ones where you would have had to have someone carry you through the game and level you up really, really fast so that you can get 100 phase locks or kill 100 people with this or be invisible for 10, pe- 10 seconds at a time, you can now do that all in... Like five minutes with each character it makes it super easy. Soups, ease. That sounds like a hack to uh, fix the optimization issues. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm a just byproduct. trying to be negative of the game because I didn't. It like was it. a byproduct <laughs> of an interesting idea so that people could play this new DLC, and it just happened to make the platinum easier a couple weeks ago. Well then. Woo! So that's what I played. I'm going to be finish up that platinum this week. Playing some more Titanfall two with all you little titular lifelong friends. And then, uh, you know, titular means, like, in the title. But I like to believe it's tits-related. So that's why I say it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to move on to our fetch quest. Going to go fetch a quest because we're a dog. I'll take us through it. Take me through it. So starting off with a video from Austin Evans on YouTube. He, He built a PS5. Which, funny enough, in the video he says, this isn't a PS5. But he names the video Building a PS5. <laughs> anyway, um, he basically, um, based on what Sony has talked about with the PlayStation 5, got some components off the shelf to get as close as he possibly could to what he thinks the PS5 would be, while like, tailoring like the voltage and all that to be a little bit more like a console as opposed to a PC. Um, but he had to make some uh, some inferences. So, I mean, obviously, it's not the real thing. But it's a close enough idea. And if it's as close as he thinks it could be to the PS5 releasing next year, he got 4K 60 frames per second running. He got 1080p running at over 120 frames per second. And those are kind of both been the touted goals of the PS5 and the Xbox 2. So kind of cool to see that, like, maybe that actually is possible, whereas we kind of thought, oh, my God, that'd be so expensive. I don't know, but man. It sounds like it might be feasible. 4K 60 is already achievable on current-gen systems for Native some Native 4K, games. though, not, like, the coalesced 4k or whatever it's called one x can do it native on some games so okay just saying right. yeah i mean that's not super impressive but i'm sure it whatever the feat is to get it and whatever game specifically he was showing off was impressive yeah it was, it was also stuff. i don't want to play anything in 1080p anymore fucking get out get out of here <laughs> i have a 1080p. I was at 120 frames per second though depending on the game that might be optimal can i tell you hulu is finally allowing you to stream 4k instead of 1080p and I am about to thank the Lord for Handmaid's Tale in Ultra HD. Because 1080p needs to get the fuck out. It's done. It's done. <laughs> Nintendo Switch, you're taking a back step with the light. <laughs> 720p only? Get out of my eyes. Just it's kidding. A handheld. We'll get to that later. Go. Dr. Mario World hits 2 million installs and passes $100,000 spent within 72 hours of launch. That's from Alyssa James at DualShockers. Good for Dr. Mario, I guess. I know my Have brother you played it? Played it. No, I have it, but my younger brother, Henry, the seven-year-old, he played it all last week. He was obsessed with it. You guys have such, like, super, what's the word I'm looking for? Pretentious. Super pretentious, historical white guy names. 
<laughs> Holden Adams, whatever the fuck. Oh, Holden Christopher Adams DePardo. Christopher Adams DePardo and Henry and I'm sure the other one's name Alexander Hamilton DePardo no, or so whatever. I, I don't know about Henry, but Grayson and Holden both come from J.D. Salinger books. Yeah. And J.D. Salinger named him after historical figures in America's past. Well, I mean, technically, I'm related to historical figures in the past, so... Exactly. It fits. You bunch of white, pretentious assholes. <laughs> hey, I'm proud of my heritage. <laughs> You're not allowed to have white pride, Holden. I'm not saying that. I'm, to be clear, <laughs> know, I'm related to John Adams, John Quincy Adams. I'm talking about that, and that's pretty cool, I think. Why are those two different people? <laughs> they should have just said, one of us needs... To... <laughs> change our name or move to spain you know that john quincy adams the son of john adams right <laughs> no <laughs> okay i fucking hated history class oh man <laughs> see pretentious white people cool naming people. their kids after themselves <laughs> i'm gonna live forever through the name of my child <laughs> All right, moving on. New sci-fi <laughs> FPS disintegration announced, and it's developed by former Halo creator. There's a little preview that showed like a ship. It looks pretty nice. Nice spaceship. No idea what the game's going to be yet. Disintegration. Also, no talk- yeah, I know. Uh, Psychonauts 2 has been delayed until 2020 and will still be published by Microsoft. That's from Chris Moyes at Destructoid. Chris Moyes, cut out the noise. Everybody loves to eat little boys. <laughs> Speaking of eating little boys, Pokemon Sword and Shield jumping into our <laughs> Nintendo Quest log. Uh, Very no. related, yes. Yeah, but, uh, Pokemon, they're wild animals. They eat, I assume, little boys if they're nearby and unprotected and they don't have a Pokemon of their own. That's no. what Pokeballs are for, is to stop it from eating you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a muzzle. It's a ball gag. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pokemon Sword and Shield is not reusing models from recent Pokemon games, says Owen S. Good. At Polygon, like Porygon, with an L for an R. Game Freak has been criticized recently for reducing the number of Pokemon in the regional Pokedex, that's a separate argument and is dumb, in Sword Slash Shield, and reusing animations from the 3DS games. But in a Famitsu interview, Game Freak says that no animations or models have been recycled and all were made for scratch, from scratch for Sword and Shield. The main reason for reducing the number of Pokemon comes down to render times for high-quality models not possible on the 3DS. Uh, This is interesting because back when they were making Sun and Moon, they had mentioned that they were making the... Like, they were were creating the assets for these things in 720 or 1080p or something like that, even though it was only, like, a 480p screen on the 3DS. Mm. Um, I guess with the intention of maybe... If stars everything ever was a thing, like the Star Switch spinoff of that series, if I guess if that was a thing that it would still look good on there, but apparently they scrapped all of that and just made everything from scratch for Sword Shield. Yeah. And if you even look at the character models, there's a comparison between Pikachu and Let's Go Pikachu and Pikachu and Sword and Shield, and it's a noticeably different model. Yeah. It has a different aesthetic completely. I like it. I like it, I like it a lot. lot. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yep. Very good. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not a hardcore Pokemon fan, so like the the reduction in the Pokemon doesn't really bother me that much. That's fine. Yeah, me neither. I also I've never even come close to catching all of the main regional Pokedex. So let alone the national one. It just like doesn't bother me. I did as a kid back on Red. 
I got all of them. You don't get Mew at the end if you get 150 and then go to Professor Oak. It's not a thing. Believe me, I tried every single rumor and thing you would find on GameFAQs, and I tried it all. <laughs> you couldn't get Mew unless you glitched it or got it from an event. Or Game Shark. Yeah. Uh, One thing I story. don't like about... Yeah, this is something I don't like. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. There's a new feature called Gigantamaxing, <laughs> which is in addition to Dynamaxing, and these details are explained by Casey DeFridis at IGN. Uh, so when this came out, Holden and I had uh, we were very obviously arguing two different arguments to each other and not understanding what the other was saying <laughs> at all so let's see if we can continue that argument here and still make no sense to each other so first of all what is just gi- off the bat just off the bat gigantamaxing is the stupidest marketing term i've it's ever so heard dumb. it's so stupid i thought dynamaxing was are- dumb yeah but no they topped it they yep. topped it what is it what is gigantamaxing <laughs> And specific <laughs> individuals of certain Pokemon species can Gigantamax. So not everything can Gigantamax. Uh, only certain individuals of Pokemon species. And when Meaning they do like, this... Yeah, what that means is that let's say that Pikachu can, can Gigantamax. Doesn't mean every Pikachu you catch can. It means that you have to find the specific one in a Max raid that can Gigantamax. Dumb. It's really dumb. When they do, they increase in size... And they change appearance significantly. <laughs> this is the debate's already started. <laughs> yes. It also boosts their stats, and they gain a special Gigantamax move, or apparently they are hyphenate or they abbreviate that G Max. This is starting to get like it could be sexual. Max raid <laughs> battles are the only way to find Pokemon that can Gigantamax, and apparently they are very rare, and finding them won't be easy. Great. Can't wait. Perfect. So, And then we got into a discussion about Mega Evolutions versus Gigantamaxing. All I was trying to say is that Gigantamaxing looks cooler than Mega Evolutions because there's a significant change to their appearance. Like, significantly more than Mega Evolutions. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, sure. And my point is that they seem so similar that why didn't they just evolve Mega Evolution... As opposed to creating something stupid like Gigantamaxing. Because I think, like, you're right, they can change in appearance. And they do change more so in appearance than Mega Evolutions. I'll hand, I'll hand right. you that. Like, but we the saw Mega that little icing Pokemon. So, in this trailer, they revealed more. And we saw the icing Pokemon turn into a giant wedding cake. Yeah, whereas, like, like Blastoise just has, like, an extra cannon or something like that. Yeah. But here's the thing. They, the co- in terms of the coding side of it, it's the same thing of here is the regular bulb, um, um, Blastoise, and then here's the Mega Evolved Blastoise as two separate models that the game reads from. Yes. It was an artistic choice to say that it only was going to have the extra cannon. Here, in Gigantamaxing, again, it's the same thing. You have two separate models that are designed to look different from each other based on the aesthetic. It's not speaking to the system. It's just an artistic choice that was made. Yes. So it's really the same thing. They could have just said, hey, we're going to open up Mega Evolution to even more Pokemon, and we're going to decide to have them look more different than they have in the past. They could have done that. They didn't have to give it a dumb fucking name like Gigantamaxing. <laughs> but I have a chart here of like all the differences. This chart came from that IGN article from Casey DeFridas. Um Just comparing Mega Evolution, Dynamax, and Gigantamax. Just, there are some I want to... Things I want to compare Go that I think it. are relevant. First yep. of all, they're all stat boosting. All of them boost your stats. Um, 
Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing do offer you different moves than whereas Mega Evolutions, there's no special moves, it's just the same moves with, with better stats. Where I think Mega Evolution has the advantage is you can do it anywhere, anytime, whereas both Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing are limited to certain locations. Don't understand that. And then Gigantamaxing is even more limited, which we already talked about. You have to have the individual Pokemon of that Pokemon species that's compatible with Gigantamaxing. However, Dynamax has the biggest advantage where all Pokemon can do it. Because really, they're just increasing the size of it. They're just making the character model bigger. They're not actually offering a new character model. Right. Um, but those are kind of the main differences. Oh, oh, sorry. The other difference is that Mega Evolution lasts the entire battle, whereas Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing last three turns. It's assumed that Gigantamaxing only lasts three turns, but I, I think it's a fair assumption. So there, I don't think there's a... I don't see why they had to create a new term for this. It really feels like they just said, hey guys, you had these complaints about Mega Evolutions of not having every single Pokemon. Guess what? We're expanding it. So Mega Evolutions will just be really big now as well. Some of them will change in appearance based on if we made that artistic choice or not. And that's that. Like, it's basically Mega Evolution still. I just don't get why they had to make dumb fucking Dynamaxing (laughs) and Gigantamaxing. Like, Mega Evolution just makes more sense as a term because... That's what you've been doing in Pokemon for the past 20 years, is evolving your Pokemon. It just fits more. What the fuck is a Dynamax? Dynamaxing, here's what, here's what they had to do. Dynamaxing is there to say, hey, this is why Pokemon on Switch is unique. This is why Sword and Shield has this crazy new thing that everybody wants, because you want to see a giant Corgi take on a tiny little Bulbasaur or whatever the fuck they it's going to fight. could have done that without a different name. Uh, yeah, the names are dumb. But then they had to do Gigantamax and restrict it in so many ways because they have to find a way to make people want to do the raids. They, they're trying to push this collaborative, do these raids kind of things. And they can't just be like, hey, they're there if you want to. They're like, no, there are, we're going to put some stuff behind this wall, these cool things that you want. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. Here's a better way they could have done that. Some Pokemon you can only catch in a max raid. Fits I don't in know, with- man. Why not? I don't know how I there feel about that. There's some Pokemon you can only get from having the other that's version like, of the game. That's like, having online, that's like having online multiplayer-specific trophies. It's stupid. No, 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 no. It's not because you can do those max raids local by yourself if you want to, and they'll have NPC characters helping you out instead of online people. So it wouldn't actually limit you. I mean, it's it's still... You could it's play an online, online games thing. against bots and sometimes, but I, it's not rigidly online only yes but it's still the same kind of idea like i have to play with some people whether it's npcs or others in order to do this stupid feature to get whatever i want yeah i just i don't know i I honestly i'll be totally frank with you if the names weren't this dumb i don't think i'd be as upset (laughs) they're just just so stupid dumb 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 speaking of something that's not dumb nes games get a rewind feature on switch this month says Chris Kohler from Kotaku coming on July 17th two days after my sister's birthday one day after this goes live the day after we play Titanfall together and happy birthday holding down both triggers brings up a timeline of snapshots similar to like the SNES classic or the NES classic um, which is I think a very very welcome addition to it especially if you're like they're releasing special versions of these games on NES uh, online service whatever the fuck they call it as well I think this is just another, yeah, I think it's just another way to make these games more accessible to audiences that just don't have time to put up with the bullshit of what NES games used Mm -hmm. to have to be to prolong playtime. Yeah, I'd also just like to have N64 
SNES and, and GameCube games. Yeah. They're running out of NES games, though. They've got all the ones that matter on there, so now it's They're going to start making brand new NES games just for the NES Classic. (laughs) No, they won't do that. That's a stupid joke. That's a stupid joke. Are you ready to move on to the main quest, Chad? Let's move the fuck on and talk about the Nintendo Switch Lite and how it's going to keep Nintendo relevant for the next five years. And like it when your booty go. I just want to highlight a tweet that I saw in one of the many articles that we retweeted. Oh, did you retweet that? Yeah, we retweeted this. Oh, I didn't even know that, but I think it was so funny. This is from at Toaster Girl. It's even if you miss the leaks. It's not like Nintendo removing the main selling point of their console is surprising. Switch to Switch Lite, no docked mode. 3DS, 2DS, no stereoscopic 3D. Wii to Wii U, no games. GameCube to Wii, not a cube. <laughs> I don't know why I just love that. It's so great. Toaster Girl um, had like a couple hundred followers. And then this tweet had millions of retweets. I'm sure she was like, oh my God, what do I do? I'm famous now. I bet she just shit her pants. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I thought that tweet was really great. So first off, just what are your initial impressions of What the is Lite? the Switch Lite? Switch well, Lite is a smaller no, Switch. I thought you were asking me the question. No. Go ahead for a check. I, I think it's important for anyone, for, if you for some reason have not been paying attention to anything and you're coming out of a coma. If you uh, are Patrick Starr and he just came out from Under Your Rock. <laughs> Fucking Patrick Starr. What a brilliant character. Switch Lite is something new revealed by Nintendo this week. Why it came out this week? Who who knows? Maybe we'll discuss that. But it is a new version of the Switch. It is intended to be handheld and portable only. Does not dock. Still charges with USB-C, though. It is smaller in size. has a smaller screen. It's 5.5 versus a 6.2-inch screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a little bit better, slightly better battery life, um, promising three to seven hours of play based on whatever you're choosing to play. And it uh, is, I think that's like basically, oh, they removed some features like HD rumble and obviously the ability to play it in docked mode. You can still use and, controllers with it though, like yep. Joy-Cons and Pro Controller. And HD rumble will work there, of course. Right, if you have paired controllers over Bluetooth, yeah. Yes. Uh, so that is essentially what they release. It comes in a hundred dollars. No cheaper. IR camera as well, right? Obviously, since there's no Joy-Con that you can take off, no IR sensor mm-hmm. on the Joy-Con or the Switch. Which means um, no eating sandwiches <clears throat> in one-two Switch. Damn, damn, I'm so upset. Yeah, so that was one game they called out in the reveal. They're like, if you want to play one-two Switch, you have to have extra Joy-Con. Uh, also, <laughs> no kickstand on this one, so you cannot yeah. play it in tabletop mode without a either laying it flat on the table or. With some kind of accessory. Which makes me wonder who would actually use a Pro Controller on a Switch Lite. I don't know. I don't know. There might be people I'm sure someone will, but I I think it's going to be a very limited amount of people. So why make this Switch? Well, it's $100 cheaper. Um, And it comes... It's easy to to, uh, advertise to people, kids, people who want a second Switch for the road because it's smaller, more compact. It comes in three colorways. A teal one, like a banana yellow, and a gray and then there's also a special edition Pokemon Sword and Shield one that looks so good. It's like light gray with like the berry magenta color on one side <laughs> and like the the dark blue on the other side. And then on the back, they've got the legendary Pokemon, Zaxby's and Zatarans. And then it's just like, it looks so good. I don't think I'll buy that one because I don't give a shit about those two dog Pokemon yet. And who knows if I will. But that is the Switch Lite. That's what's coming. And what do you think of it? What do I think of it? I think it's a brilliant move. I agree. I think it's brills, totes brills. It looks real nice too. 
It does. It looks yeah. like it was well thought out. They replaced... Oh, this is important. They replaced the left-hand four buttons, since it doesn't have to be removed and used as a separate controller. It's now a D-pad. It's a traditional D-pad. Mm-hmm. Is it messed up that <clears throat> like, that makes me go, oh, should I get one as a D-pad? <laughs> <laughs> Which is stupid. I'm not doing that. But I had the thought, just so, because of the D-pad. Uh, I think it's great for a couple of reasons. One... It obviously is making it a little bit more accessible to kids. The cheaper price point, one ninety nine, puts it a little bit closer to the price point of a three DS. It's still far off from the eighty dollars you can buy a two DS for, though. Um, but yes, the ability to now have multi switch households without necessarily breaking the bank. Uh, kids want their own personal one. Mm-hmm. Customize it with colors so you can tell the difference because that's really important to kids. Uh, and what is surprising is that more so than people like, oh, anecdotally, from everything that I've heard so far, discussions on the internet and read, I am seeing a lot more often, instead of people saying, oh, this is the reason I will now buy a Switch, or I can't wait to get this for my kids, it is now grown adult people saying, I'm going to get a second Switch. So not only are they opening the market to new people, but they are convincing people who already have a Switch Two years later to just, yeah, I guess I'm going to fucking buy another Switch, a second Switch. Am I one of those people? Yeah, I'm buying a second Switch. Are you going to buy a second Switch? <laughs> I'm not going to buy one at launch, but when they release a colorway that is the right one for me, oh, I'm absolutely yeah. picking it up. What happens if the Switch Pro gets announced, though? Which I'll buy a third Switch of. because I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's what I'll do. The one thing is they, they're kind of downplaying the battery life, I think, a little bit. Digital Foundry had a really good post about just the specs of the switch and the new Mariko chip that's inside of there, mm-hmm. which essentially is just to remove the hacking um, capable um, loophole. But the battery life, depending on what game you're playing has been improved. So on Nintendo's on website, they say that on the original switch, it's three hours of breath of the wild, but it's four hours in the light. That's actually a sizable increase in, in your battery yeah. life. That's a 33% increase in battery life. That's not that bad. I mean, that's sounds kind of worth it. Um, that's the one thing that has me going, besides the D-pad, has me going, mm, yeah, I might consider that, because I kind of do play my Switch mostly in handheld mode. I, I do, too. Really... I mostly play it in handheld. The only times I play it on the TV is the rare occasion that I have friends who live locally who want to play <clears throat> Smash Bros, <clears throat> or Crash Team Racing, or Mario Kart, or something like that. Yeah. And in which case, we'll play it on the TV. But yeah, most of the time it is a, I'm playing this on the shuttle to and from work or laying in bed with my Switch. That's where I play it. Yeah. So I think this is a good jumping off point to kind of how this is going to keep Nintendo relevant and why this, as you kind of said, is kind of a game changer. So I got some, I got some stats. Oh, read me those. Uh, you love fucking numbers. You get a big old stiffy <laughs> for numbers. Go. <laughs> I mean, this is numbers we've already talked about in the podcast. I just think it's relevant to bring it up for context here. So back in October 2017, Nintendo released information on how people were using the Switch. And it was it mostly dot, was it mostly handle, mostly hybrid. And it was broken up. 20% have the TV mode as their primary way of playing the Switch. 30% have hand, handheld as the primary way they're playing. And 50% do hybrid. But I also read into how they got those stats. They got those stats by tracking what's going on when you're online. Here's the thing. Mm, that yeah. skews heavily in favor of docked mode because airplane mode is – you cannot turn airplane mode on at all when you're in docked mode. It has to be on – I know the so Wi-Fi many people card who, has to at least be on. who leave their Switch in airplane mode permanently exactly. just to save battery life. When I'm in handle mode, exactly. And those two things, I think, really skew this in the favor of, of showing – 
a greater amount of people using docked mode. Docked mode is the lowest number on here, and I'm willing to bet that they're just missing out a bunch of people who don't have their switches on when they're in handheld mode. So I think they probably realized this and realized, oh, this is a handheld device that happens to connect to the TV. I've argued against that. I'm now on that side. This is a handheld device that people happen to connect to the TV. I'm changing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing is, if you go back and you look to the very beginning of Nintendo releasing consoles, it's not been consistent for them. The NES sold way better than the SNES, which sold way better than the N64, which sold better than the GameCube. Then they had a huge spike with the Wii. Then the Wii U tanked, and Switch is now finally doing better. Because it's a handheld. That's the... the, the, the All right, we'll put it this way. Their handheld systems have always sold consistently well. Right. Always. They've never had a handheld not do well. The 3DS is the weakest selling of the handhelds. Mm, kind of. Game Boy and Game Boy Color are combined together. They sold 118 million units each. Game Boy Advance was 81 million units. DS was 154 million units. 3DS is 75 million units. They have never had a problem reaching very, very high numbers with their handheld. It's a more reliable business model for them. Yeah. How are they going to compete against the next consoles? They're not going to. They're a handheld company now. And the two tiers of Nintendo have always been console and handhelds. And this big divot is now going to be the two divisions of Nintendo are mobile and handhelds. I don't think they're going to call it handhelds, but that is certainly no, but their like, strategy. Yeah, yeah. And I think here's, the, here's the, the way that they're going to win. They talked about, we read last week, a story about how uh, Nintendo is looking to expand its user base for develop, to entice developers. Because they're like, pe- number of people with the systems is really important to us. Uh, and it's attractive for developers. They are now taking their handheld market, which has done significantly well in the past, and their console market, which is hit or miss, and they are now one market. So they're taking mm-hmm. both their home console and their handheld both into one with this new system, uh, and they are going to make More it so a than powerhouse. Switch. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that they can both, for the most part, play the same games at the same quality, it's, it's going to be a force to contend with for Absolutely. all the systems uh, for developers' well, sake. I don't even... I, I see where you're going from, but I wouldn't even say forced to contend with because it's just like, hey, I have a PlayStation 4. I want to play something when I'm out... Or PlayStation 5. I want to have something to play on the go. Streaming sucks. <laughs> this game streaming thing is not really working out for me. Because I, I don't think many people are going to really do that initially. This is going to be what they do. They're going to play Nintendo games instead. There's just yeah. something that's kind of trusting and reliable about Nintendo handhelds. And... 3DS is clearly not the, their handheld anymore, obviously because it's been out for so long. You go to Nintendo's website and you look at the sales numbers, and they've been, between 2015-2018, consistently in the $6-7 million range or, of, 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 of units sold. Then they just suddenly dropped to $2.5 million the next year. So two years of selling well alongside the Switch. Now it's tanking. And it's time. And I they, think most of that is... Go ahead. They did officially make a statement saying that the Switch Lite is not a replacement for the 3DS and they are still supporting it, even sure. though that's literally just something to say to not piss people <laughs> off who just bought a 2DS. Yeah, that, that's complete... It, it's not... No, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I get why they have to say that, but right. it's not true. I think the $80 2DS that comes to the game is a great deal, but I really kind of feel like... 
with the way things are playing out in the market, with 3DS sales going down, which includes 2DS, and Switch sales going up, especially when this comes out, they're going to skyrocket, I'm sure. People are willing just to spend the more money to get the Switch Lite. I think that's what's going to happen. And I think next year, we're going to see a massive downfall on 3DS sales. There's already basically no games coming out for it at this point. It's over. But it's going to be, a, they're going to, it's going to be quiet. It's going to be a quiet dismissal. Yeah. One day, we're just going to be like, remember the 3DS? Where'd that go? And then Nintendo's going to have, like, in their backyard, under the tree, and a tire swing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Vita is going to, uh, and the 3DS are going to end very similarly. We're like... Three years from now, it was like, oh, we're actually stopped making 2DS models. They go, oh, you didn't already do that? Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. There are a couple of things that people are upset about that I think we should uh, at least bring up. One of them is the fact that it doesn't dock to a TV and that you can't, you know, it, it still uses USB-C to charge, but you can't put it in the dock and put it on the TV. Um, to which my response is, there's a switch that does that. You can pay the $100 yeah. and buy a Switch that does that. You can also take that portably. <laughs> Nintendo has options. Yeah. Um, this is, It does right now, the biggest hang-up for me all comes down to software, or really firmware, and the way that it interacts or it does not interact with cloud services and syncing and things like that. The biggest headache, I think, is going to be um, if I have one dedicated to being handheld and one dedicated to being at home... How do I make sure that when I finish off uh, something in something at home and I want to take it on the go, it's not going to sync like my phone does with my iPad and just I can pick up immediately. It's going to be a pain in the butt. I'm going to have to like upload manually my cloud save, download it before I leave anywhere that doesn't have Wi-Fi. So this is kind of where I want to I be mean here for a second. Mm-hmm. Why even have a Switch Lite and a Switch? Just take the Switch with you on the go. It's also a handheld. Like you just said about if they have a Switch that you can plug into the TV, it's this Switch. Reverse argument on that. If you want to take your Switch on the go with you, you already have a Switch that does that. It's, why why it's do you smaller. need to buy? It's smaller. has it's, a D-pad. It's, it's, it's a little bit smaller. The D-pad's nice, but is it $200 worth it? Again, I felt yeah. compelled for that reason. But yeah, is it, okay. it is for me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, to have something that's a little bit smaller, and I just take it, oh, this is my Switch to go on, on the go. Uh, so that's going to be a big headache for me and something they've got to fix. They did mention um, that there's going to be something in the future of... Right now, you can manually use cloud saves via online service and stuff like that and move saves and transfer data, but it's got to be a lot more seamless between the two because there is a huge discussion of people picking up a second switch that's a large part of the the discussion going on right now i'm really surprised i i honestly didn't i did not think that i was going to want one but i do it turns out i do oh, so, i want one it's just not practical i didn't say it's practical i have so much shit here that's not practical why do i need <laughs> a 42 inch tv in front of my eyes right now to display what's on my ipad it's literally duplicated right in front of me <laughs> It's totally superfluous, first world thing, but hey. Uh, that's yeah, also, one... video games are probably the least practical hobby to have in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the fact that you can't play certain games on it without extra stuff. So, like, people are like, oh, any you can't game play they mentioned, though, or... one, two, switch, don't care. Yeah. Just Dance, I guess, is one of them as well. Don't care. There's Mario Party. I know you don't care, but people play don't that care. game. Uh, to, but to that, yeah, there is a switch that does that. I, All right. anecdotally, immediately when this came out, I was like, oh, 
my niece's birthday is at the end of August. I could buy her a Switch Lite as a as like a, a belated birthday present. And I'll be going home actually the weekend that this comes out. And I'm like, we'll just go to the store. We'll pick one out together, and that'll be her, good her luck. Birthday. I think it's gonna be really hard to find. Well, so I was texting my brother, and I was like, hey, I want to get this for Danny's birthday, but. I don't know. Do you guys use a family account? Does she have her own account? If she plays something on the Switch and then wants to go home and play it on the TV, is that going to be a pain in the butt for you guys to work with the cloud saves? and things? I don't know. Do you buy games digitally versus physically at eight years old? Is she going to understand what a primary and secondary Switch is and the benefits of it? Because you can't have the same game on both and play it on both. If you if you download a game on your Switch Lite and that's not your primary console, you can't play it unless it's connected to the internet. So that's like a big headache of stuff. Like, is she going to understand all of that red tape? And then finally he said, you know, I was thinking about that too. And I showed her the new Switch Lite, and she, but she likes to play on the TV a lot. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm just fucking spending the extra hundred bucks and getting her a Switch. So don't even have to worry about that whole argument, but that's it. Getting the She's in that 20%. Switch. She's in that 20%. She just, loves, she just got my brother's old TV put up in her room. She's going to sit there and play Super Mario on it. <laughs> my parents told me I was on the phone at the end the other day apparently she's becoming a huge gamer and that's all she wants to do now like my parents bought Super Mario what's the name of it New Super Mario Bros World 3D U Wii oh, U Super Deluxe. Mario Bros U Deluxe that one yeah. they just bought that and they're playing it with her and she's fucking great at it and then all the time she's like I want to go to Tata and Dasa's house that's grandpa and grandma and her speak I want to go to Tata and Dasa's house and play Switch they have a Switch at home but she just wants to go play Mario there and she'll be at home at the office at work with my brother and she's like oh, I'm so bored right now just take me home so I can play Switch <laughs> <laughs> so she's turning into a gamer and I freaking love it can't wait that's it. That's all I've got to say about Switch Lite. I think it's great. Can't wait. Yeah. I, I agree. That's all i got to say, too, and I agree with you. This holiday, there's going to be so many good bundles. And this, th- that's what I love. Okay, sorry. I'm not done talking about it. <laughs> 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 I was always so jealous of all of the 3DSs and all of the handhelds that they would put out, like special editions and things like that. And I was hoping that we would see a lot of that stuff with Joy-Cons on the Switch. I was like, oh, we're not going to see like special edition switches that much, and we didn't really, aside from like the Diablo one and the Smash Bros one. And then, but we and would see a lot of two and Super Mario Odyssey. But those just said Joy Cons. I'm talking about the Switch unit itself. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe we'll see more Joy Con customization, but we really haven't seen a ton of that either. And this looks like it's an opportunity to explore that because now that I have a Switch and the Switch Lite is just an extra accessory, I can wait for a really, really cool one for a cool game that I like or a cool colorway. And now I can be like, fuck yeah, I'm in on this 3DS customization thing. Because, you know, the Wii and the Wii U and the N64, they didn't have that many variations on them. But the handhelds always did. I'm excited. True. Much excited. V excite. Yeah, this is going to be a different era for Switch. It's going to be interesting to see play out. Yeah. Also, notably, too, actually, a lot of the upcoming like big games are games that have been handheld games. Link- Link's Awakening, Pokemon. Animal Crossing. I know Animal Crossing is also on the Wii and the GameCube, but its biggest selling oh god titles if were Danny always ends on up the- liking Animal Crossing. I'm gonna shoot myself in the eye. <laughs> Chad, she wants you to know play- she's gonna love it though. She's gonna fucking yeah. love it. I loved Harvest Moon as a kid. God damn it! That's why you would like Animal Crossing because it's just Harvest Moon but better. 
Yeah, but you know when you're a kid and you're like, I can't wait to be an adult and do adult things, and you're finally an adult and you're like, responsibility sucks. That's how I would feel now about Harvest Moon. Like, I don't want to go feed the fucking cows. I want to sit on my ass and watch Netflix. (laughs) Where's that game where I just watch TV all day? (laughs) All right, let's move on to Ryan subscriber interrogatives. Correction this time, though. Ryan subscriber interrogatives. Dust at Dustin E. Hill, also known as Dustin, also known as Dustin Email Hill. Dusty. His his nickname is Dusty, Dusty. Email Hill. Dusty Email Hill. Yes, My last week we were talking about uh, Pokemon, and you had brought up like, oh yeah, catching Pokemon after you beat the Elite Four, you unlock a whole bunch of other Pokemon. And we were talking about how many are going to be in this one. Blah blah blah. Variant. We asked Dusty Email Hill to write in and uh, explain to us because he has a Pokemon podcast called fuck we should advertise it if he's going to be this generous hold please well you do that i will give you i'll provide the corrections he gave to us so basically pokemon red blue and yellow it's called prize count prize count pokemon red blue and yellow the original pokemon games the only games that don't feature post-game pokemon just because it's the original 151 which makes sense although mewtwo kind of counts yeah i mean i don't think we're talking about legendaries though we're talking about just other pokemon you find in the world yeah um, so initially, each game has a regional Pokedex featuring a mix of old and new Pokemon. Later on, you attain the national Pokedex, and that's when you can start getting the remainder of the Pokemon. Uh, but Black, White, and Black 2, Black, sorry, Black 2, White 2, uh, were the first games to only feature the new Pokemon before beating the Elite Four. This has not occurred in any Pokemon game since then. I think it's important to note that what we're reading right now is an abbreviated version of the email that he sent us. There's a lot of context. And what was a, a, yeah. the biggest takeaway for me is that we were both wrong. And with that, it yes. means that Holden, you were wrong. I um, just heard Holden, you were, and I didn't hear the, the end of that sentence. The, the audience did, and that's what matters. That We all know <laughs> collectively together that Holden was wrong. That's important to me. I could be wrong. It's possible. Yeah. I'm human. Uh and so, okay, so this, thank you, Dustin, very much for writing in. Um, I realized after reading this and listening to Tequila's ranking of all the Pokemon games episode today, I thought, oh, I'm going to listen to this for a little bit. And then I listened to the full two and a half fucking hours of it. <laughs> and I thought, there are so many Pokemon games I've never played. And then I thought, am I about to go play every single Pokemon game leading up to oh. Sword and Shield? <laughs> and then Don't I thought, do no. That. I that's love too, myself That's too, too much, much of a commitment. Yeah. yeah, that's too much of a commitment. Also, I think it would get old real quickly. It and would. then I it thought, okay, what if I just play a few? And then inevitably I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go back and play the ones I've already played before and then I'll still be missing out on all the other ones. Uh, <laughs> so I'm in my head, I'm still wrestling with, do I play, do I finish Sun and Moon, for instance, that I never finished? Do I go back I and play like Black and, and White or XY or... Something like that. Black and white were fantastic. I hated X and Y. I stopped playing it very early on. Just because small thing. If one small thing bugs me, uh, bugs me enough in a game, I will stop playing it. And this is a classic example of that, actually. If you use the circle pad on the 3DS, you mm-hmm. automatically start using these roller blades that are really annoying. And I just don't like controlling with them at all. If you want to walk around, you have to use the D-pad. And I just found that to be super obnoxious because I had to hold it in a way I didn't want to hold it. Because I had to hold it differently to get to the defense of the circle pad. Hated it. Hated it. All right. And it's a really nitpicky thing. But yeah, that is very that game. nitpicky. It's very nitpicky, but it ruined the game for me. Holding it in with Holden DePardo. I'm Holden <laughs> and Kevin. 
Uh, what? <laughs> where, where did Kevin come that from? That morphed into a morphed into a <laughs> morphed into a kind of funny science with Kev thing. Science, okay. science, science with Kev. I'm Kevin. <laughs> you should listen to more kind of funny content. Anyways, specifically their in review stuff. That's where the, all the laughs come. Everything you should listen to. Everything. Game on game show where we play a game on our game show called Game on the gaming show on our game show. We play game, 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 game. I know you guys have been waiting for the longest time for some more video game would you rather. Here we go. We've got three would you rathers. They're all video game themed. And this week, they are all Nintendo hardware themed. Thanks to the Nintendo Nintendo Switch Lite reveal. So I have three would you rathers that we're just going to discuss here. Number one, would you rather have a docked version of the Nintendo DS... Or an Oculus Quest-style portable virtual boy. Okay, one thing again. Okay, what, how does this docked DS work? Is it I don't docked? know. Let's Do decide have... that right now. <laughs> okay. Does it work in the sense that you dock it in, but you still have to go up to it to use the touchscreen controls? <laughs> that sounds awful. Bloody <laughs> awful. But does that sound as bad as having a really shitty VR experience with you everywhere you go? <laughs> I imagine, well, here's a, here's a thought. You dock the Nintendo DS, put it in there, and then you have like a tablet that represents the bottom screen that you can write on, and then so you have a TV Wii U? screen, and then, yeah, it's just a Wii U. So would you rather have <laughs> a, a Wii, Wii U? with really bad graphics. <laughs> Awful graphics. Still better than the Virtual Boy graphics, though, because there's more than two colors. But it's strapped to your head. You get really nauseous and you don't know where anything is and you fall down. That sounds dangerous. Mm. I'm going to go with the docked DS. I think so too. Docked DS. I need to pu- I need to pick up some DS games. No, I don't. I have too many other things I need to play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Specifically speaking about the Switch Lite, number two. There are a few key features missing from the Switch Lite. HD rumble, the ability to dock it, things like that. Which other feature would you rather have removed? Audio or color? Would you rather not be able to hear anything in your games or everything is in black and white? You're saying removing a feature. Yes. Does that mean you're removing the speakers, but the headphone jack is still there? No, we're removing audio from the system in general. There is no sound chip. I'm going to say remove the audio because... I like to play games while I listen to a podcast or something or watching something on YouTube in the background. And I'd rather listen to the YouTube video than what's happening in the game. Can I tell you what happened today? Uh, that's, yeah. It's that same exact thing. I don't do that because mm-hmm. I can't, whether it's watching something or, or listening to something, like I can't concentrate on more than one thing at a time. Okay. So today I was playing Borderlands and listening to that Tequila Pokemon podcast at the same time. Uh, because I was doing something menial. I was just phase-locking 100 enemies as the, mm-hmm. the siren. So it was just like, wait. I had, I had an enemy trapped in an area. And I was just like, phase-lock, wait for it to recharge. Phase-lock. So I was like, cool. I'll listen to a podcast while I do this 100 times. Because you have to wait for it to recharge like 13 seconds. Anyway. So I'm listening to the podcast. Scrolling through my phone. Just every once in a while, hitting L1 on my controller. And I'm like, man. It has been forever that I've been doing this. And I haven't hit 100 yet. This is taking so long, literally like 30 minutes. And then I go and check my trophies. Turned out 25 minutes ago, I got the trophy. But I was just phase locking for no fucking reason because I can't pay attention to two things at once. 
That's really funny. See, uh, it depends on the game. Like, I could never play like Men of Madon. I'm not playing that while I'm listening to YouTube. You know, whatever. <laughs> right. Wouldn't work. But Mario Kart, Mario playing Mario Kart and listening to techno, I tweeted about this, is the best combination ever. Man, is that fun. What's the difference between so- techno and house? Just kidding. We don't have the time for you to say Oh, I can nothing. explain the difference. Um, they are different genres. <laughs> they're not. They're, very, they're the same. They are absolutely different we'll genres. We'll save that music. for Affable Idiots returning January, <laughs> July. It's July. July 18th. Is that this week? God damn, that's this Thursday. Yeah. Um, it's I returning have next color Thursday, removed. not this Thursday. No, it's returning this Thursday because we're recording on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. It's on my calendar. I, I knew that. Yep. I knew that. I would rather remove <laughs> color because I think so much of what I appreciate about games is the audio experience. Like so many mm-hmm. games I love, and a lot of that love comes from the soundtrack. We see it a lot with our barfs. We're like, oh man, yeah, this atmospheric soundscape was really great, or the music to this was amazing. Even my favorite parts in Destiny Two, I remember thinking, oh, I loved this part particularly because the score did such really great things during this fight, or something like that. Versus color, yeah, HDR is sexy as fuck, but we lived without it for so long. And black and white, there are so many cool things you can do with grayscale and cool art styles that like and. Plus, you got to think too, like look back like the Wizard of Oz. The best parts of those movies were in black and white, not in color. Well, they were the in color brown parts and just... black and white. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Audio. I would keep audio. Remove color. We'll di- like, we'll disagree here because I I can never get rid of the color. We don't have that to agree. This is would you rather? This is not Mary no, Kill. No, I'm just letting you know we don't agree on this. Great, fucking great. You're fired. <laughs> Last, would you rather? Would you rather have? <laughs> would you rather have always on HD Rumble underwear, <laughs> or <laughs> have a slightly smaller head on your body forever? <laughs> because the switch light is slightly smaller than the switch, so you have a regular sized body but a slightly smaller head. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm definitely not choosing that one. <laughs> But here's the thing about the HD Rumble underwear. Yeah. Is it is it responsive to things, or is it, like, always rumbling? Think of, like, it's a, a vibrator in the shape of underwear, and it's always on. You never have to recharge it. There's no hiding that boner. That You're going to get a boner. It's going to be torture. Well, no, I don't think so, because if it's vibrating like this, it's got to be like hard plastic underwear, basically. So you'd hide the boner. It'd just be uncomfortable, your boner pushing up against that hard plastic the whole time. Eventually, you're going to peak. You're going to climax. <laughs> and then we all know, after you climax, you don't want that vibration anymore. But it's going to keep going. And I'm there's going to picturing... be no escaping it for the rest of your life. I'm just picturing me living in Chicago... And I get on the train, and just the person next to me going, what the hell? Why is he vibrating when I sit next to them on the train? But versus like me walking everywhere and going, that guy's head's small. Like, really disproportionately small. <laughs> Think like the Goombas in the Super Mario Bros. movie. <laughs> oh, my God. I would... See, that's the thing. that I would so make fun of people who had small heads. <laughs> that's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I couldn't have a tiny head for the rest of my life. I would make fun of myself. Yeah, I would have to do the always-on HD Rumble underwear. And then, like, I don't know, figure out, maybe, like, put f- stuffed toilet paper in my pants or something like that. Or <laughs> styrofoam. Oh. Here's what also makes choosing that one easier is I d- wouldn't actually have to do it. There'll never be a point in my life where it's like, Holden, 
you really actually got to decide and you actually have to do these things. <laughs> if both these options were presented to myself, I'd be like, uh, where's the nearest bridge I could just jump off of right now? I'm not doing either of those. <laughs> Slightly smaller head. What a stupid <laughs> option. Yep. All right. So we would both have HD Rumble. And that is the end of Video Game Would You Rather and the end of our podcast for today. Thank you for joining us. We love you all so very much. Go to patreon.com slash respawnamefire. Support us. Wait, we have this in here, right? Somewhere? I'm on the wrong Oh, note. I need to add it back in again, actually. Um, our bar for the month, Titanfall 2. Play it on whatever platform you like. Play along with us. We're going to discuss it at the end of the month. Holden, before you go to bed tonight, we need a list of games for next month's oh, barf. I will do that. Do that right now. I will Ask do that right Alexa now. or whatever you pray to to set a reminder <laughs> for you for five minutes from now. And uh, so if you're a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash respawn aimfire, help us vote for what we're going to be playing as a community next month. And then if you want to play Titanfall 2 with us, we have a squad of six ready to go. You can be on that squad Tuesday night, tonight, if you're listening to this the day we launch. And then wallpapers are coming in two weeks, end of the month. Yeah. I'm excited to come up with whatever they are. (laughs) (laughs) This month's one, it's going to be hard to top. That dark mode with the I know, right? I feel like I blew my wad too early. (laughs) Well, it's time to die with 13. It works out. You're right. You're right. You're right. Thank you guys for listening to us. Tell us about it. Tell your friends about us. And then listen to Applebill Idiots coming out episode four this Thursday, July 17th. Bada bing, bada boom. Until next time, here's our usual sign off. These are my peoples. I said reference nobody gets but four people. (laughs) 